All right, everybody, we are back. We're back from summer vacation, and it's college football season. It's here coming up later on the show. Rico Beard from 97 won the ticket in Detroit. He's going to help us break down uh, the Wolverines and the Spartans and also Big Ten football. But uh, just like last year, we're going to set the table and we're going to set it with the godfather of college football. You go out there, go to your nearest Barnes and Noble, get on feelsteel.com, order the book. It's necessary if you want to be the smartest guy in the office talking football. And that leads me to our guest, Phil Steele, the great Phil Steele. Phil, thank you for coming on. It's always a, a time of the year. I look forward to talking to you, man. Hey, good to be back on with you, Al. I enjoyed last year and uh, sort of looking forward to talking with you today. How you been? I'm I'm living, man. I'm I'm living. I uh, I got my book. I I pre-ordered it, uh, which all the smart people do. Um, I pre-ordered it like about ten minutes after the the national championship ended, <laughs> and so I've been digging into that, and then um, just really getting blown away. And we'll we'll get to the latest knowings and goings and, and things going on. But for folks who haven't gotten it yet or don't know where to get it, if they've been locked in a room that has no windows, uh, where can these folks get this book? Cause it's really, it's, it's kind of important if you like college football to get this. Yeah, it's, it's really got three to four times the amount of information, any other college football preview out there. And, you know, here's the thing that stands it apart it's 352 pages, and there's very little advertising, and there's very little white space. It's just information on top of information. It's almost like getting 130 different media guides all rolled into one, but it's even better because all the information is on the same spot on every page for quick, easy reference. You want to know a score from three years ago, you can point right to it blindfolded. You want to know who a team's playing in week four, you know exactly where to look. Who was the top rusher last year, you know exactly where to look. Uh, how many yards per game did they give up rushing three years ago? You know exactly where to look. Who's the starting left tackle? You know exactly where to look. And it's the same on every page. We give the same amount of coverage on Akron or UL Monroe that we give you on Oklahoma and Alabama, two full pages. And when we just give you a two deep, it's not just the player's name and his height and weight. It's a player's name, his height and weight, what he's done so far in college. And it usually goes three deep sometimes even four deep in our projected starting lineup. So just blows you away information-wise. You can get it this year exclusively at Barnes & Noble and at Books A Million. So I know we've been in other locations before, but save your gas money. Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, or like Al did, just go to philsteel.com. That's S-T-E-E-L-E.com. And you can order either the hard copy or the digital version. And this year, Al, the digital version is actually going to be updated uh, all the way to the start of the season with all the any changes that have happened since we put the magazine out. Phil, I'm just going to forward uh, my bank account information to Chris Van Dyne. And we'll just make <laughs> something happen. Um, and, and speaking of him, uh, it, it, a big shout out to him, Robbie, Jim, the whole team that you guys have assembled there at Steel Enterprises, which uh, you guys don't, this isn't, you know, it's a game we all love, but you guys do this 364. I'm assuming you take one day off, but uh, 364 a year, and you guys are just phenomenal. So uh, big congratulations to you and the team on another successful year. 
Yeah, I appreciate it. And it's our dedication to college football. I know myself, uh, if you ask me uh, who the top NBA players are or even the top teams, I couldn't tell you a clue about the NBA. I have no clue about players or teams in Major League Baseball. I'm just college football year-round, and uh, it, it's, uh, it's a labor of love, I'll tell you that much. Don't worry. Bajan Reims is uh, like a great player in the NBA. That's all you need to know. Um, <laughs> I, I, I had questions prepped. And that got kind of thrown out the window yesterday. Uh, I saw earlier today you were on Texas Ag uh, Radio talking with uh, some A&M uh, guys. And I'm sure that College Station is not a happy place this morning. With everything happening, and this really feels like 2010 again, where we're about to see the next and, and possibly last major shift of teams and conferences. W what's your interpretation of this? Because, I mean, you're a guy who's seen it all come and go, and you're, you're plugged in with all these coaches. I mean, you talked to over 100 coaches this year, uh, so you have that rapport. What, where are you at with everything going on? Well, I, I think uh, I've been asked this question where are we headed with college football? And for the last three years, I've been saying, I believe we are headed for four 16-team super conferences. And it'll be uh, those playing each other, and then uh, the rest will probably uh, drop off a little bit. But uh, I think that's where we're headed. And a move like this would shift uh, definitely to that, where everybody's scrambling to be one of those top 64 teams in the four 16-team super conferences. Now, Nothing's official. Nothing's happened yet. It just seems like we, we appear to be headed that way. But uh, it, it's the way I felt for about the last three years that that's where we're headed. It's always felt to me that the Big 12 was going to be the, absorbed. It, it, yeah, it's going to be imploded. And, and you look at that 2025, you know, it contract ending with Fox and, and the TV deals ending at that point. You really got the feeling I, that Texas and Oklahoma, who have already tried to go to the Pac-12, who in the past in the 90s, you know, reached out to Michigan and tried to create a super conference and, and things of these nature. It, it's, it's like this is just in the plans and now it's just all coming at once. There's not like that easy, you know, uh, step into the shallow side of the pool. Do you think the SEC with a Texas and Oklahoma is uh, a good thing for college football? Or do you think that it overall just kind of waters down everybody else except for the SEC? Well, I think what you, like I said, I think what we'll see is eventually four 16 team super conferences, if that happens. And uh, if that happens, I think we will see the other conferences merge together and get stronger. Well, you know, once again, we don't know if Texas and Oklahoma are definitely leaving the Big sure. 12 or what exactly is happening. So there is a lot of speculation involved here. And um, I'm more a guy that focuses on what's actually happening. For example, when I'm doing radio shows, people will say, hey, so-and-so just committed to so-and-so. How do you feel he fits in? I'm like, you know what? I'll wait until he actually signs a paper and goes to that school until I spend a few minutes worrying about how he fits in in the program because he's probably going to end up somewhere else. And uh, I'm, I'm more of a uh, actually what's, ha what's happening, happening guy. 
But uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, the SEC has been king. They've won my top conference nine of the last ten years. They've been my top conference in college football. And uh, that would definitely help them keep that number one uh, title. And uh, I'm, I'm sure the one year that they didn't win it, it was the fun belt because it's just a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> no, it was what, actually the Big Ten. It was well, Big Ten. Yes. They, had, they had like four, uh, four top ten teams at the end of the year. Yeah, something that uh, certain SEC listeners to this right now will hate to see. Uh, Phil, let's let's get into this year, what we can control. And uh, I'll ask you this because it stood out when you the best part of the magazine, folks, is when you open up those first 30, 40 pages and you're going over your surprise teams, most improved. But I always go to the experience chart. And for me, as a, as a guy who bets horses running in circles, I care a lot about, you know, how you're coming into the match, the race. Uh, last year, Georgia Tech, Northwestern, your top two teams, both given an 84 and an 80 grade as far as returning starters. This year, that would put them about 36. <laughs> how do we, how do we, as, as we're going into this season, start thinking about, uh, you know, teams that have so much returning talent? And I heard you already, uh, you know, earlier this year talking about, uh, you know, a conversation you had for the uh, Joe Moore Award and talking about top offensive lines that, I'll let you give that, but uh, how, how do we think about this? Yeah, and it, it's definitely an unusual year, and you hit it right on the head, Al, in the fact that uh, what would have been number one, number two, is now number 30 or 34 in the experience chart. And I'll tell you this, when I talked to the head coach, I talk, this year I talked to 110 of 130 head coaches going over their team with them, and the majority would say, wow, Phil, this spring was wonderful. We're normally scraping together to get a two deep in the spring. And this year we were able to run three full teams. And in my head, I'm thinking, boy, that's about the 67th time I've heard that. Everybody's got experience this year. So I think if you're looking for an angle that maybe pick which teams are going to be better and which teams are weaker, I think there's two areas to look at. And the, the first, oh, let me let me share the Joe Moore Award uh, yeah, story with do. you real quick. I, I thought it was a funny story. Yeah, being on the Joe Moore Award uh, on the committee, I'm the only non-offensive lineman or non-offensive line coach on the committee, so extremely proud to be on that award. But Aaron Taylor calls me and says, uh, Phil, I want you to get a list together of all the teams that have three or more starting offensive linemen. We'll put them on the preseason award list. And I said, well, Aaron, that's going to be about 120 teams. He's like, okay, okay, change it. Let's go to the, all the teams that have four or more returning starters coming back. And I said, well, that cuts the list down to about 100, Aaron. So it, everybody's very veteran this year. But I, I think the two things that you can look at, number one, let's look at the teams that last year had the least amount returning because everybody's got 18 returning starters, but who's it going to help the most? Probably those that had the, the less amount returning last year. So a team like LSU only had two starters back on offense, three on defense last year. They're going to make a huge step this year. In fact, I think they're going to be more like the 2019 LSU that ran the table 15-0, and much more than the 5-5 five and five LSU that needed a shoe toss against Florida and late comeback against Ole Miss just to get the 5-5. Five and five. So I think LSU goes all the way up to a double-digit win season. So go look at last year's experience chart and take a look at your bottom 10 teams 
And if they've got a lot of experience coming back, look for them to make the biggest jump. And then the other one would be look at this year's experience chart and look at the bottom 15 teams because those are the ones that actually lost some players from last year. And maybe the gap closes between the playoff teams from last year, which, you know, the, the four playoff teams from last year all have just 9, 10, 11 returning starters, all lost their starting quarterback. They all rank in the bottom 15 of my rankings. Meanwhile, the rest of the pack may have closed the gap on them. So I think those are the two areas to focus in on because, as you mentioned, Al, everybody has got 15, 16, 17 returning starters this year. I definitely want to hit on uh, some of the bigger name teams. But last year when we talked, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Spartan. I'm, I'm a big Mel Tucker guy. And we talked about how first-year coaches were at a great disadvantage. Uh, Especially Mel year. Tucker. Yeah, yeah, it was, it, it was real tough. It, but, you know, it, Lane Kiffin probably shouldn't have won at Ole Miss last year, and he did. Mel Tucker should not have beat a top-10 Northwestern team, but he did. Are, who are these first-year coaches last year uh, is there one that pops to mind that last year, first year coach, that y- you have really high expectations for this year? Like that, okay, you you did well enough last year. This year is going to be the year. You know, and let me ask you a question because this really has been on my mind since I wrote the magazine. Since you're a Spartan fan, sure. There's there's a saying that says, doesn't matter what our record is, as long as we beat our rival, it was a good year. Well, Michigan State beat Michigan last year. Was it a good year? Uh, Yes. So that's true. But I think, um, you know, fan bases get split. I think there is a a growing uh, number of fans who look at wholesale changes. He is not Mark D'Antoni in any way, shape, or form. Um, That goes to the coaches he hires, the way he recruits the types of games he calls it's just a completely different wholesale approach and I think that's what got people fired up I mean beating Michigan I mean look they you know Rutgers took them to three overtimes I mean it's it's uh last year's Michigan is pretty tough to watch but yes it it is enjoyable it's successful Okay, that's 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 what I wanted to know. I wanted to see what it was, uh, what the fans' uh, reaction was of that. Now, as far as uh, coaches that were first year last year, that I have big expectations for this year. One of them would be Jeff Halfley at Boston College. You know, he took over a team, didn't have any spring practice, uh, and I thought their offensive line last year. If you look at the individual pieces they had on the offensive line. A lot of NFL caliber players, but they only averaged 102 yards per game rushing, 3.1 yards per carry, allowed 28 sacks. I don't think the unit is as good as the sum of its parts. And sometimes the unit is better than the sum of its parts, but in this case, they weren't. But this year, they're all back. They've got a lot of NFL caliber guys, so I look for a vastly improved offensive line for BC. Phil Jerkovic at uh, quarterback uh, is a guy that came in from Notre Dame and did well in his first year as a starter, but now actually had a spring. Jalen Gill is a Ohio State transfer that came in last year and now has the benefit of that. Zay Flowers is there at receiver, and I think the defense will be improved. So I think Boston College makes a big jump this year, and frankly, I thought Jeff Halfley did a great job getting that team to 6-5 and five last year. 
Oh, you're, you're not lying. I mean, that team, that team was a roller coaster ride, almost taking out North Carolina and then getting just absolutely murdered uh, down in Blacksburg. But uh, you bring up a, a great team because Boston College, I, I think people are sleeping on them. And I, I wanted to ask you, what is, I'm, I'm not going to say the toughest conference, but to, to, what is the most competitive division? in college football because the three that stand out well I guess four I mean you can go with the Pac South SEC West Big Ten East ACC Coastal and and people might be shocked to hear ACC Coastal but I think it is actually pretty jam-packed uh you made a great point um uh, a week or, or a week or two ago about VATAC um is there a division that you're extra excited to see based on how competitive you think it's going to be from top to bottom. Yeah, I think, I think you hit it right on the head with the ACC coastal and all you have to do is go back, look at the fact that in the last seven years that the coastal has been in operation, keep in mind that we're not a division last year. It was one big conference, but in the last seven years of the ACC coastal, they've had seven different division champs. That's unbelievable in the college football so I think that one stands out. Uh, and you know, even this year, teams right at the bottom, Duke and Virginia, are going to be vastly improved teams and make it competitive with the upper part of the conference. But I'm going to throw one division out at you that, that really surprised me this spring, and it's one that nobody talks about. And I, I just thought I'd bring it up as far as being a highly competitive conference because I think any one of five teams can win it, and that is the Mountain West West Division. Oof. And you're talking about a team like Nevada, uh, which oh, yeah. is loaded. They've got an NFL-caliber quarterback in Carson Strong, a loaded receiving core with Elijah Cooks, Romeo Dobbs, Cole Turner, Melquan Stovall, then San Diego State. Brady Hoke and his coaching staff are just aggravated that they went 4-4 four and four last year. Too much talent on hand for that. They feel they will win the, the division. San Jose State won the division last year and has 19 returning starters, including Nick Starkle. Hawaii Todd Graham did a great job in his first year as a head coach. No spring practice. He got them to five and four. They have 11 starters back on defense. And Chevin Cordero, their quarterback, is back. They are loaded on offense. And Fresno State, you know, after I got the phone with Kalen DeBoer, going through that team with them and how deep they are and how experienced they are on both sides of the football, I thought they could have a shot at winning it. So those five teams all have a shot. The only uh, the lagger of the bunch is uh, UNLV. But they have 18 returning stars will be much improved. But I think they have five teams very capable of winning that division. I'm intrigued to see who actually comes out on top in the Mountain West. Uh, West. But uh, as far as overall of all the conferences, yeah, the ACC Coastal would be that one. I didn't think we were going to do it. But before we get to lightning round, let's talk some Mountain West football. Uh, it, in that division, uh, my and you're absolutely hit the nail on the head. I mean, it was super fun football to watch especially late at night uh, when the wives and the children are asleep. Um, is it kind of essentially, when you look at the Mountain West, that, that specific division, um, is it just trying to figure out, okay, who doesn't play Wyoming or Boise State? What do you think the final separator is uh, in that division? Yeah, and that is a big factor because Boise, Wyoming, Air Force, they're all right at the top of the Mountain Division, and it is your crossover games. And then, of course, who who you get at home, who you get on the road. 
and I find it one of those where I've got a lot of teams, an underdog in two games. So I, I think they're going to beat each other up during the course of the season. And uh, whoever can steal one of those road games, you know, for example, Nevada has to play San Diego State on the road, but they get San Jose at home. They get Air Force at home. They get Hawaii at home. But they also have to play Fresno on the road. I, I think it's just going to be one of those at the end of the year where last team standing actually ends up on top. And it's just going to be a, a thrilling race top to bottom. And that's what you're going to get, folks, in, this, in, in the Phil Still book. Uh, it is the Bible, and it, it goes through. I mean, uh, my Western Kentucky page is worn out, but we don't have <laughs> enough time to talk about Western Kentucky. Uh, some quick questions, just quick rapid-fire thoughts uh, before we, we head out because you're a busy man, and um, I, I think you have to go and make dinner. You have to do some stuff at the house. You're, you're busy. Alabama. I'm already – Go ahead, Phil. Yeah, I'm I'm all ready. Okay. Alabama Clemson. One, both, neither make the playoff. Uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb here, uh, Al, and I'm gonna say both make the playoff this year. Okay. Dark horse for the Heisman, one that's not being uh readily thought of. Uh, I am going to go with a guy that hasn't even been named his own starting quarterback of his own team, and that's C.J. Stroud of uh, Ohio State, thrown to the best receiving core in the country. All right. The team that we're going to all look back at the end of the year and say, man, we should have seen it coming. I'm going to go with uh, the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, They're a team that's got a big offensive line four VHT running backs. Graham Mertz is one going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the country. The defense is solid. And then when you look at their schedule, they, their four Big Ten road games all come against teams that had losing records last year. Very well could run the table in the, in the regular season. Last question here. The flip side of that, because it's not all sunshines and rainbows and lollipops. Team we're going to look at and go, Oh boy, they—they're certainly not at the top of the mountain. They're in a deep, dark valley. Well, I wouldn't call it a deep, dark valley. We're not going to see an LSU like we did last year when a team has just five returning starters. But I do think a team that's got a pretty tough situation uh, would be Florida. I've got Florida picked second in the East, but unlike Georgia, you know the difference between Florida and Georgia this year. Florida only has five returning starters on offense, five on defense. Georgia, meanwhile, has got eight starters back on offense. Florida only has three SEC home games this year in the Swamp. Georgia only has three SEC road games this year, and they'll come against first-year head coaches. And then the pullover games, which you know I look at a lot, Al, is that Georgia avoids Alabama, LSU, and Texas A&M. Meanwhile, Florida draws Alabama on its schedule at home and has to play LSU on the road. So definitely the much tougher schedule for them. But I still think Florida ends up winning maybe nine games this year. I just don't see them as a main contender in the East. Well, folks, all this information is in the Phil Still College Football Preview. You can get it at Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, or go to philsteel.com, which I wanted to end with because as a person who's been waiting 189 days and you know, saving money in a piggy bank for college football. Uh, it's an invaluable tool. It's something that you put uh, out on YouTube every single week. You you go over some of the 
you know, uh, options you can do and, and looking at numbers and really get up to date statistics because that's very difficult uh, for the guy who's just, you know, thrown 20 bucks on a game to get. But it's a it's pretty, pretty fair, reasonable price. Phil, what do we get with the Phil Still Plus on PhilSteel.com? Yeah, and the Phil Steel Plus is there because I use it, and I use it religiously during the season. I wouldn't look at a matchup without looking at Phil Steel Plus. Uh, And it's got updated, like the stats that you have in the magazine, updated weekly, and they're updated in green and red. Green is a good number, red is a bad number. So just by glancing at a page, you can see a line of red. You know they have a weakness in rush defense or a line of green say, wow, they've been a really potent pass offense. And uh, so the colors are updated in green and red each and every week. That's a plus. You can go back and look at the stats, color-coded green and red, for the last 10 years. You can click on the last 40 years results, and it's actually the last 45 years results, all the way back to 1976. Every game, every spread, every team, where they came into the season, uh, preseason, where they ended the season, postseason, you could look at the last 20 years leaders, who's been the leading rushers, passers on a team. You could go to the draft history of each team. And it actually gives you every draft pick for every team back to when the first draft was, back in the 1930s. It's all up there. The individual player stats are updated weekly. You could see who's, and this is if you're a fantasy football player, see who rushed for what yards against what game, or if you can even tell if a player's been injured and he has zero stats. We give you an updated start chart every week and for past seasons. So you can see in red are highlighted the uh, players that miss games and who's been starting for each game and what. And then the big thing is when you click on an opponent, uh, you will actually get uh, uh, the complete last 23 years matchups. Once again, color-coded green and red. Green, you won the game. Uh, Red, you lost the game. That includes ATS against the spread and shows you how they've done in the series history. So really – Everything, excuse me, everything you can want to know about those two teams for a matchup, it's all at your fingertips every week at Phil Steel Plus. It's $69 for the year, but for, you know, a year, you're talking about less than, what, five bucks a month? Uh, it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, you get your money's worth the, the first weekend because I, I know I'm probably going to be looking at it uh, week one, week two, weeks, well, the money-making weeks uh, and, and certainly get after it. Phil, I can't thank you enough. Thank you for all the work you do. Thank you for your team. Um, You are the godfather, and we pay homage and respect. I appreciate that, Al, and uh, enjoyed doing the podcast with you once again this year. It was a lot of fun, and uh, we should make sure we do it in every single year because it's uh, definitely worthwhile for me. I appreciate that, Phil. Coming up, Rico Beard right after these words. If you like the StuCast, you might want to check out what's going on over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com and on the In The Money Media Network. We've got a whole bunch of podcasts devoted to horse racing from the player development side to the week-in, week-out gambling side to the horseman side. There's going to be a show for you. Come check us out, InTheMoneyPodcast.com, and we look forward to seeing you there. All right, joined at this time, a returning guest, a guy I have a lot of admiration for. You can catch him on a podcast you really you need to listen to. It's one of my favorites, the Five Star Zone. 
available wherever you're getting your podcasts. And you can catch them every day through odyssey.com, two to six in Detroit on the best, the best sports station in the country, uh, Valenian Rico in Detroit. He is Rico Beard. Rico, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, man. It's always good seeing you. Oh, man, I'm glad you had me back on. I must have did a good job the last time. Well, we got we converted some folks to the five star zone. I, I've had uh, my some of the buddies I that uh, I'm with that that listen to the show, and they're like, you know, this this, you know, I was listening to what Rico said, and then we start talking about Maryland football, which we'll get to. Um, so yeah, the the podcast is great, man. Uh, I is it? Are you having fun doing it? Because I find like now that. I love, I'm a college sports guy. And so it's something I, it's a passion I can really dive into. Is this just an extension of like previous things? And it gives you that outlet where you may be talking basketball, uh, baseball, NFL, um, and this is an outlet. Uh, it is because I, I, you know, cause Mike always just like, dude, we, we can't do this deep dive on the show. Cause it's going to kill our ratings. But on the podcast, I can go as deep as I want with Evan, and Evan loves college sports. You know, he loves Michigan State about as much as I do because that's where I met him because he, he used to sit next to me at the Michigan State games, ironically enough. But, yeah, it allows me to take a deeper dive into not just Michigan State football and basketball, but Big Ten stuff and college sports and really get in there. If I want to touch upon recruiting, I can because it, it's a specialized niche. And yeah, it, it's fun to talk about because, you know, I get to share different stories and things like that that I, that I run across. So, no, I, I love it. And, yeah, trying to – I think this, this next season of the Five Star Zone, you're going to – some special guests that I'm going to try to get on. I, I, I would love to get weekly. Uh, I'm trying to convince Mel Tucker to come on here. So, we, we, we got to see, you know – I'm like, you know, before your season starts, it's like, coach, come on, you got to come on. She's like, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. So no promises, but <laughs> may be able to get Mel Tucker on for at least one show. I'd love to do it weekly throughout the season. Uh, well, let's start since since you're trying to get him on. I, I'm going to just try and help do what I can right now. He is my light and my shining savior. I am 100% in on Mel Tucker. I love everything he's doing. Uh, coming into this season, though, uh, it, I, I still, I'm still kind of like at that mode where last season doesn't really count in my mind. This is his first real season, and we'll start from there. Uh, is that kind of how you're approaching it, or are you taking that, that look at, okay, well, they beat two top 15 teams, although one clearly wasn't a top 15 team right. at the end of the season. But they did that. They the Penn State game. They they were winning uh, up two touchdowns at half. I, I mean, this team had moments, and that was Mac talent. What what are your expectations now? And and what's your I don't know if you can give a grader, but what's your what's your feelings on Mel Tucker to this point? Well, I mean, it, last year was an incomplete because we really didn't know. I mean, he literally was meeting his players as they were walking out the tunnel for the first game. He had no spring, no real summer practice because COVID shut it down. Because remember, Michigan State had a bunch of cases during the summer. So 
he had like three weeks to really get to know his players and try to install an offense, trying to install a defense, try to pick, you know, the pecking order, the, the depth chart. This year, I, I expect a little more, but I don't expect a lot more because there's still a lot of turnover going on. Losing some 30 players to the transfer portal or to graduation, gaining another 23 players into the transfer portal. That's a lot of turnover. Plus, you're also bringing in about 20 recruits. So if you think about it, almost half his roster wasn't there this time last year. That's big. How well does the locker room accept the new people? Yeah, incoming freshmen is one thing. But what about that incoming guy, like the uh, Crouch from Tennessee, the linebacker? probably coming in to start you know he's highly recruited highly touted he ain't coming to sit the bench at michigan state so are, is it going to be a, a chasm in the locker room like it was in 2016 where it was clearly divided and you saw that on the field the team went three and nine that year so there's a lot going on for me my expectation for mel tucker can you get to six wins and it's not a cop-out but this is still year one you're flipping the entire roster. Over half the roster is gone. It's new. Can you get the six wins, and can you get to a bowl game? You're bringing in players. Like I said, you got Crouch on defense. Uh, you know, I know You know, some of the coaching staff really on the defensive side love the, the three uh, corners that they brought in. And they're like, yeah, these guys are going to compete day one. When you bring in Kenneth Walker, who's now up, he's on the Dope Walker uh, watch list, you know, coming from Wake Forest. That's something. When you got your uh, the Harold Joiner coming from Auburn, I'm really excited. I'm I'm really excited to see what they do with him because you know six four two two thirty running back is insane. I think he's everything that R.J. Shelton was except taller. Well, they can move him around in space. Maybe you put him in the slot. You can't put him in the backfield. Uh, you know, I I think he's an upgrade from uh, from Hayward. Connor Haywood. I mean, God bless him. Man was just slow. Got fourth and one. You give him the ball, he loses the yard. Now you're bringing in a big time back. So you're bringing in lots of pieces. Probably the only strength that they have is the wide receiver spot. You know, with all the guys coming in. Plus they added Christian Fitzpatrick transfer from Louisville. Let's hope that they can put it together. The Northwestern game is going to show us a lot. I think the Miami game is going to show us a lot to see really the first three weeks is going to kind of set the table. Ask me again, and maybe I'll raise it higher. But right now, I'm just going to leave it at six and six. I think next year is the year to expect more from Michigan State. I, I would love to deep dive uh, game by game, but uh, I'll leave you with this. We have a quarterback competition, Peyton Thorne. Incumbent. You can stop right there. It, it's just Peyton Thorne. I, I mean – from everything that you see, he works out with the ones. If you watch the spring game, he was the first quarterback out there. I think Anthony Russo is a break glass type of thing. If this thing goes south, he has experience and he can lead this team. He's got turnover problems. If Russo is the starting quarterback, Michigan State's in a lot of trouble. I think it's Peyton Thorne's team. They just haven't anointed him yet. And maybe we hear that uh at, at big 10 media day when mel tucker goes up to speak so i know where you were going but let me just stop you from everything that i know from people i talk to it's peyton thorne's job to lose noah kim they say looks good at times hamp Fay, they're probably going to try to red shirt and bring him along slowly the big quarterback out of texas he may become the future 
But as of now, it, it's Peyton Thorne. I think the future is Caden Hauser, but that's a longer conversation. <laughs> uh, well, you know, here's the funny thing real quick. Honestly, if I'm a head coach, I wouldn't even recruit quarterbacks anymore. I would just get them out the transfer for I was literally going to ask you that because earlier this year, and you made a great case for it, with the transfer portal being what it is. I mean, look, Northwestern loses their starting quarterback. Oh, we'll just take Ryan Holinsky, former five-star quarterback yeah. out of South Carolina. Yeah, we'll just take him. Garrett yeah, Schrader you know goes yeah. to Syracuse. Like, yeah, because – if you're a quarterback, you look for the spot where I can go play right away. There's no competition. That's what I would do. Now, it's feast or famine. If you nail it right, you got Russell Wilson going to Wisconsin. If you get it wrong, you get the kid that left Clemson and went to Northwestern. Uh, was it uh, 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 Bryce Chase or Chase Bryce? Ended up being a bum at Northwestern. So it's feast or famine, but I would bring in two guys, let them battle it out. I wouldn't recruit another quarterback. Let somebody else develop them, and you bring them along when they're ready. Treat it like minor league baseball. We got to watch our Chase Bryce comments. One of us has a big future on Appalachian State this year. So we're big Chase Bryce fans now. Is that where he ended up? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a ways away from Clemson five-star QB. Number Okay. All right. Not in location, uh, technically. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean. <laughs> Speaking of transfer quarterbacks, transfer quarterback you uh, down the road in Ann Arbor, you know, and I mentioned this to you privately, the work you and Mike did on the show, because a lot of people still don't know about the whole issues uh, surrounding this Michigan football offseason, a la like a, a Penn State, a Michigan State. Unfortunately, we've seen these stories, Ohio State. We've seen it. The football program gets caught up right in the center of it. In your estimation, because you were there uh, right as the Nassar thing was breaking, you know, we had an amazing basketball program. Are there similar parallels here in this moment heading into this season? Because there's a lot of really negative things going on with this program. It is, but I mean, Nope. Michigan is, they're protecting themselves. They're keeping it out of the media. They got enough people. Yeah. That, that blue wall Michigan mafia thing is real. I mean, my God, the, the, the detective that broke the case got demoted and got a, <laughs> He's a traffic cop. Right, like, how, how do you go from a beat? Co- you're a detective. You break the case of the lifetime. Hey, congratulations. Take this demotion. And now you're a beat cop at 52. And that basically sent a message to anybody else. Uh, don't go snooping because if you find something, this is how we deal with it. It's the wrong message. The optics are bad. Now, Michigan came out and said, no, 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 that's not how it's supposed to be. Yes, it is how it's supposed to be. It's why you have Jim Brandsetter so boldly coming out defending this guy and defending both. If this happens anywhere else, you're fired. I remember the radio host that stood up for Deshaun Watson in Houston saying, well, how do we know that she's not some gold digger? He's gone the next day. But at Michigan, none of this stuff matters. So I don't think anything is going to change. They didn't ask Jim Harbaugh anything about this at uh, uh, Big Ten Media Day. It's just how it is with Michigan. It's, it's that, that mafia is deep, man. You, you don't mess with it because if you do, the repercussions are hard and swift. Ask the detective that, you know, brought the case to light 
that gave 800 plus survivors a voice and he gets demoted. And, and he said, there's more I can say, but I'm afraid to say it. Yeah, that's certainly a heartwarming story that uh, came across the wire. I'm even surprised it showed up in, in the free press uh, this week. But looking at this team, you know, you made the comparison on the five-star zone. Hey, look, th- it, this can embroil a team. If Take that away. I mean, this is a team that was really wretched last year. And now they're playing musical chairs with the coaching staff. Uh, clean scale was great hire. I, I can't say the same about any other of the four or five coaches they brought in. Uh, got a transfer quarterback from Texas Tech and a bunch of guys. I, I Donovan Edwards is supposed to be really special. I, I don't know what you can say about this team. Uh, it's like I, I mean, but the, yeah, Donovan Edwards is supposed to be special, but you know what? So was Ty Isaac, so was Garrett Green. Like so many people go to Michigan that are supposed to be special and they're not special. They're just average. Now, I like Donovan Edwards. I, I got to see him play high school football. I wish him well. That's a lot of pressure to put on a freshman and running back. The funny thing is that Michigan, it's the guys that don't get the hype that actually succeed. Mike Hart didn't get hype. He was their best running back. They've been trying to find a running back to replace Hassan Haskins since he's been there. And every year, Hassan Haskins outperforms every other back that they put in front of him. I think they finally saw the light and just said, screw it. He's going to be our guy. But, yes, I mean, from the quarterbacks and all, I don't know who's going to be the quarterback. I'm assuming it's going to be. I think Harbaugh said uh, Cade McNamara is QB1 going into training camp. Clinchdale higher. I think he's good for recruiting. I don't know if he's a good on-the-field coach. I know that Kentucky, he was, he was like the number two guy. He was the big-time recruiter, and, and, and Murrow was kind of the bag man who came in and sealed the deal. We'll see what happens with him at Michigan. I mean, the defense, you, you basically got a guy who was just a grad assistant a year or two ago from the Ravens, and he's running your defense. He's never been a coordinator. I don't know if he's ready to handle the bright lights of the Big Ten and Power Five because nobody's going to feel sorry for you. So I, I think there's desperation. Harbaugh comes out and says, you know, we're going to try to beat Ohio State, Michigan State, and our rivals or die trying. It's, it's great words, but it sounds like the words of a man who's desperate, a man who took a 50% pay cut to stay around because no one in the NFL wanted him. So I think you're going to see Michigan in that desperation, desperation mode. I don't know if that works. Sometimes it does. Most of the time it doesn't. The, 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 the coaching staff thing, I've seen this before. This, this was D'Antonio, his final year. When he always said, hey, how about the quarterback's coach is now going to be the defensive back's coach, and we're going to just rearrange the deck chairs on this Titanic, and it sunk. So I, I don't expect the coaching staff to be there this time next year. We'll see. I, I, don't, I don't expect Ohio State to take it easy on them. I expect Ohio State to curb stop them at the end of the year, and if that's the case, how do you bring Jim Harbaugh back after losing – having an 0-6 record, and let's not fool ourselves. It should be 0-7. You just opted out last year. Hello, everyone. This is Chris Van Dyne from North Coast Sports. You'll hear me here every week during football season with my main man, Stu, from the StuCast. 
And just want to let everyone know we got a lot going on at North Coast. We got Power Sweep coming up. Going to be releasing that at the end of August. And get on board for Power Sweep at ncsports.com. Definitely check out our podcast on ncsports.com. And like I said, you'll hear me every week giving out some of the best handicapping picks that you will get in the industry uh, with Stu and Bobcat every week here, as well as at North Coast Sports, ncsports.com. And we're looking forward to football season. So looking at Michigan, I've seen them place solidly fourth. And this Pig 10 East is just a killer division. I mean, we've talked Michigan, Michigan State, but there's a lot of excitement in Piscataway. I mean, Greg Schiano has come in kind of like A.J. Hinch is doing for our Tigers right now, where there's not a ton of talent, but he's making it work. And it's it's just putting a product out there. And me and you are both really high on Maryland, even though, you know, listen to the show this week, folks. Maybe next year's the year. I, I'm a Talia guy right now. I think Maryland's right. got the pieces right now. Like, it makes sense. You can see it happen. Where is there a team that can catch Ohio State? Because it really feels like this Big Ten East, once you – if you just take Ohio State out of the picture – there is not a ton of separation from a Maryland to a Indiana or Penn State. Well, see, I think there is. I, I think in the Big Ten East, there, there's two teams that historically give Ohio State fits. One team, they, Ohio State plays great games with them, but they find ways to win. That's Indiana. Indiana can put up points with Ohio State. They just can't play defense enough to stop. Go back and check some of the best games. that When it comes to Indiana – and, and Ohio State always takes the over in that game. They're going to score a ton of points. I don't care if it's over 72, over 80, take it, because it's going to get high. Penn State, every, like, third year or so, has just enough mojo to knock off the Buckeyes. For me, I think it's Ohio State, followed by a next tier of Indiana-Penn State. And then in tier three, I, I – from four to seven, you could jumble those teams up, and I can make a case for everybody being in fourth place. I can make the same case for every team being in last place. Rutgers, up and coming. Greg Schiano, closed the border, is recruiting real well. Maryland, uh, Talia Tungavaloa, coming in at quarterback. I think he's really good. You got Penny Boone, the running back from Detroit King, I, with a bunch of five star wide receivers, you know, looking at what Mike Loxley is doing. When you play Maryland, Maryland's the biggest wild card in the league because either they're really good or they're really bad. You have no idea. Michigan, I don't know what they are. They On paper, they have players, but they can't put it together. And are they ready to quit on hardball? And Mel Tucker may be the biggest wild card. Like, when I see Michigan State last, I'm not mad because you know the least about them. So I think they ended up getting picked last a lot simply because of that reason they're the easiest one to justify being last. But there's three tiers in that Big Ten East. It's Ohio State, Penn State, and Indiana. And then after that, from four to seven, they're all the same, in my opinion. No, that's a fair That's a fair breakdown. I, I'll give you that point. Go, going to the West, which is, you know, it's basically been Wisconsin and Wisconsin. Uh, are, are you buying – 
are you buying Wisconsin this year? I mean, I, I, I still don't know what that team is. Uh, the, the freshman QB out there last year uh, from Kansas. I've already, I want to say Jack Cohn, but obviously. No, Cohn's at Notre Dame. Yeah, he's at Notre Dame. Um, uh, was it Mac Burke, Mertz? Graham Mertz. Yeah, Graham Mertz. Yeah. It, see, this is why he's a professional, folks. Uh, Graham Mertz. Are you are you buying into him? I mean, this Wisconsin team sure feels like it's the old school. You know, we're going to run the ball with our all American offensive linemen that are all three twenty and six five. You know, you, you know what Wisconsin is, and both football and basketball consistent. You know what you're going to get. They're McDonald's. No matter what part of the country you go to, when you go into McDonald's, you know exactly what a quarter pounder with cheese is going to taste like. You know what the fries are going to taste like. Is it good for you? No, but it's consistent. You know what it is. Wisconsin's going to run the ball. Graham Mertz, all he has to do is play action, hit a wide open receiver, and move the chains. He doesn't have to throw for 400 yards to win because Wisconsin grows offensive linemen and running backs on trees. So that's why they're always in control of the Big Ten West. Now, I think this is the last year I'm going to do this, and if it fails, I'm never picking them again. But Minnesota, to me, is a team to watch out for. P.J. Fleck, Tanner Morgan, like last year they just fell off, and I don't know if it was due to COVID. I don't think they ever recovered from losing to Michigan in the first game. But I look at P.J. Fleck, those players really like him. They love him. I think that's a team to watch out for. And Iowa, kind of like is Wisconsin. They're consistent. You know what Iowa is every year. They're not flashy. They're not pretty, but they just grind you to a halt and then they win games. So those are the three teams. Northwestern, Northwestern has never been good two years in a row. And because they went to the Big Ten championship game last year, that means they're probably going to be bad this year. Check out the fact. They they've never strung together two years in a row where you're like yes because now they're going to have high expectations and for some reason they can never live up to it nebraska scott frost is jim harbaugh jim harbaugh is scott frost finkel is einhorn einhorn is finkel that's how i see it there there was a really great piece in espn about nebraska's uh or it might have been the athletic where they were talking about nebraska and their recruiting problems um well worth a read Rico, I'm going to hit you with one last question here. It can be in the Big Ten. It can be in NCAA proper, what's left of it. Um, give, is there a future that you like before the season, something you want to grab right now? A future bet? Yeah. Something uh, that you, I, I, you want to take a long look at. I, I mean, I, I probably, I mean, Vegas says Michigan State four and a half wins I, I think they'll clear that and that's not because I graduated from Michigan State twice it's, it's because I really think that I don't think they're giving Mel Tucker any credit I think it's kind of easy and, and a little bit lazy to say oh well Michigan State uh, we don't know anything about them so they're going to lose a bunch of games I think that Mel Tucker will easily win over four and a half games so that's the one if I would tell somebody that, that that's something Another one to watch out for, and upon a further review, I I had the guy on my pocket. I started looking. I I think North Carolina may win the ACC. It may not be Clemson this year. Clemson's breaking in 
uh, you, you Lele, the new the quarterback, and I don't know if he's as good as Trevor Lawrence, and it's going to be interesting. But I could easily see Sam Howell winning the Heisman and North Carolina winning the ACC. Yeah, my my concern with North Carolina is you know you take a drop at wide out they they lose Deami Brown uh, Daz Newsome. You, you obviously Ty Chandler's a nice running back from Tennessee, but you lose uh, Williams and Carter. I, I I really you know the ACC Coastal. The more I look at it, is it's kind of a snake pit. Va Tech, Blacksburg. They play in Blacksburg week one. Man, Va Tech was a team really snake bit by COVID last year. North Carolina. I, that ceiling is there. I'm right there with you. Like you can see it, but man, there's some that that first game scares me for some reason. It does, but I mean, if you believe in how, if you believe in the quarterback, I think that you know you got the best quarterback on the field. You should win that game. Future Detroit Lions. It could be. There you go. Uh, I, see, I think the Lions are going. I think the Lions are going to be the Tigers. They're going to be a bunch of try-hard guys who win too many games and, and get themselves out of a top pick. I think they should have took Justin Fields this year. He was sitting right there. But, you know, they took the O-lineman. I'm not mad at it, but I don't know if next year's quarterbacks are going to be as good as – Justin Fields, I think, is going to be a, a prize for Chicago. So I, I think he's going to be good. He's going to be somebody that Lions fans will rule the day. Wolverine fans are going to hate him because he went from the, the Buckeyes to the Bears. And I think he's, I think he's going to win games with Chicago. Uh, oh, and real quick, college basketball. You're, you're one of the uh, subject matter experts out there on college basketball. A lot of moves. We saw Malik Carr go to Texas. Things are starting to finally like even out uh, as far as the transfer portal. Is there, is there a team that really like, caught your eye or in the big 10 or nationally uh, that you really, Hey folks, watch the tape, read, read some uh, info on the, on this team. Well, it wasn't transfer portal. It was, he came back and uh, I look at Johnny Zhujang going back to UCLA. That team, I remember telling them when they played Michigan state in the, in the uh, playing game. And I was a guy, people mocked me. I'm like, Whoever wins this game is going to make it to the final four. And like, you're crazy. I'm like, no, these two teams shouldn't be in the playing game. Both are really good. And Zhu Zhang and UCLA proved me to be correct. I look at what Texas is doing with Chris Beard there and bringing in Carr. Like, Texas, put it this way, I don't think it's going to be easy for Kansas to just walk in there and, and win the Big 12. Then again, I don't know if Kansas – I mean, I don't know if Texas is going to be in the Big 12. Well, I think they'll be in the Big 12 for this season. So, And they may win in their final year in the Big 12. <laughs> that You know, that we could go for a whole nother podcast. We've got some guys lined up from uh, Big 12 uh, channel on Sirius next week. They, they may cancel. They may be having a nervous breakdown, uh, be out of a job. It may not exist. But, uh, Rico, thank you for your time. Uh, where can people find you? And uh, pump that that podcast again because it is phenomenal. Well, the podcast is the five star zone. You can get it wherever you get your podcast, whether Apple, 
uh, or if you're on a droid, you can just get it, you download it. And once you download it, it'll keep coming to your phone. Give it a listen. It's probably around 35 minutes every week. But Evan and my, Evan Jenkins and myself, we really take a deep dive into whatever is the hot thing in college sports. So if you're into college sports, you want to give it a listen, you know, try to just shoot it to you straight, tell you when I like something, I tell you when I don't. So yeah, the five-star zone, you can download it, like I say, uh, whether it's your iPhone uh, or whether it's uh, the, the I, what, what, is this, what is the store app for iPhones? I don't have an iPhone. What is the store? So it's just podcasts. Yeah, it's just yeah. like a podcast button. Yeah, so I, and Droid, same thing. Just download it. Get on there. If you want, uh, you can follow me at Rico Beard on Twitter, R-I-C-O-B-E-A-R-D. And uh, yeah, you know, have some fun. If you're respectful, I'll have fun with you. If you're disrespectful, you'll probably get blocked or muted. Or if you're a stalker, you get blocked. If you're weird, then yeah, yeah I just had to do somebody today. Like, Saw that today. I, okay, that that was I, a little I, weird. I, 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 this is, this, I, I know, life's too short and uh, I'm having a good day. So you're not going to steal my joy, devil. Hey, Rico, keep doing the Lord's work out there, man. I love what you and Mikey V are doing. Uh, have you back during the season? I'd love to pick your brain uh, in season. Um, yeah, let me know. Absolutely. And we'll catch you next week. We've got to break down the Big East 2.0, also known as the Big 12. We'll catch you next week, folks.